Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. So we started a series last week called The Kingdom of Heaven. And uh, we did note that that's not an Orlando Bloom film uh, from 2003. That is uh, not what Jesus had in mind. It is not the Crusades. We're looking at the words of Jesus preaching on the kingdom of heaven. He was teaching. This was the, the central theme of the Bible and the central thrust of Jesus' teaching. And it's also what all the disciples and the apostles that followed Jesus, it's what they were preaching about. It's what they were teaching about, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so over and over again, we see this theme. However, we often... We use the word kingdom, but we're not really sure like what it means. And so I wanted to spend some time just kind of looking at the words of Jesus about the kingdom of heaven. And uh, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 13. So if you have a copy of scriptures and wanna go there with me, if you have a device that you read it on, you can join me there. I, I will have it on the screens as well. Before I start reading this, um, we are a culture infatuated with the big and the fast. We value speed, efficiency, productivity, success. Ever been to Bucky's before? Do we have any Bucky's fans in the house? A few of you? Yes, right? I can't pass one up, right? Because it is the American iconic ideal of like speed and 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 big and it has clean bathrooms and everything is just so easily accessible. The soda fountain is like a mile long, right? It's like, you don't even have to wait for some other guy, right? You just go to the other one. And there's like a million potties in the bathroom and they're all clean, right? It's amazing. It is the apex. And not only that, there's Bible verses on things inside of there, okay? It's like, this is the, the, the epitome of what we love and value as a society. Because bigger is better and faster is better. And what Jesus is going to teach today is going to fly absolutely in the face of that. We were um, at a fundraiser on Friday night for Lynx, which was fantastic. Jason showed a video of a water project in Pakistan. And, um, you know, these people are overjoyed because they have a, a spigot in their village that's not five miles away. So, so not a spigot in their house that feeds their bathtub or their kitchen sink, but like in their village. And they're just overjoyed. They're like kids are bathing in the water and like there's incredible joy. And the, the next day I was at a pizza place that didn't have straws <laughs> by the soda fountain. And I'm highly annoyed, okay? <laughs> right? Why? Because our culture is like worlds apart. And I think the people in Pakistan who are overjoyed at a spigot in their village will understand the words of Jesus way more easily than we will today. Way more easily. Um, if you've been a Christian a while, 
there are probably things that you struggle with today that you struggled with years ago. Okay? And there are some things in your life that when you receive Christ, it's like, man, I don't know, just something changed in my heart and there was a transformation and like, I don't do that or I don't struggle with that or I don't want that anymore. It's like God did something, but then there's this other thing and we're talking like, you know, we can microwave a chicken nugget in 30 seconds and yet we can deal with the same struggle for 30 years. What's up with that? Why is it that... Um, why we're people that love the, the big and the fast and yet small and slow are way more accurate descriptions of what we see the transformation in our life being. And why is that? And so I think Jesus's words are gonna help us and they're gonna speak to that in us. And so um, Matthew chapter 13, and then I'm going to jump over to Mark chapter 4 after we read two parables. And this is kind of a cluster of parables from different gospels that are all kind of the similar theme. Okay, so Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to start in verse 31. He said, he presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until it was all leaven. That's a lot of flour, 50 pounds. Okay, Mark chapter 4. I want to read uh, verses 26 through 29. Mark chapter 4, 26 through 29. It says, the kingdom of God is like this, he said, this is Jesus speaking. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, and then the full grain on the head, as soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. This is the word of the Lord. So Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven, the, his favorite thing to teach about. And he's using a parable, and a parable is simply an illustration. You know this. It's just a, a word picture or an illustration that would make sense to the hearers. And he's going to use more um, agricultural type uh, parables because that would have computed to their minds. And so we have to do a little bit of work to make sure it computes to our minds as um, Americans in you know, 2022. But these teachings absolutely challenged these guys 2,000 years ago. And they absolutely will challenge us. Today, the first thing that I think we need to understand about what Jesus is saying is that the kingdom of God may appear small or insignificant at first. It may appear small. He uses the word picture of a mustard seed, the smallest known seed that they would have known about at that time, right? And he says, look, it's, it's, it's small. He talks about leaven, which was a small ingredient that a woman would use in, in, the, in the baking of bread. 
And then again, scattering seed, right? Just, it's, it's gonna seem so small and insignificant at first. And here's what we need to keep in mind as people who are reading this today is that his Jewish listeners and his disciples, when they said Jesus is Messiah, what they're picturing is, um, is more like a political takeover than, a, um, than what Jesus came to do. Okay, so he's having to uh, consistently recast the, the, the messianic expectations of his Jewish listeners to help them understand that the rule and reign of God, the kingdom of God, was coming in this small and unnoticed way. And, and it was not going to be this immediate military or political takeover. I mean, we're watching on the news every night um, this you know, tragedy of seeing uh, Ukraine just be bombed and attacked, right? And we're, our hearts are with those Ukrainians. We're praying for them constantly. And, and his listeners, they're, they're thinking that the Messiah is going to come and literally take over. And, and this is not what Jesus came to do. He's casting a different vision for his people. And he's basically saying, look, this kingdom thing, it may not look like much at first. And I think that's good for us to hear because we're kind of the opposite. We, we have marketing techniques, right? And, and we can take nothing and we can get a logo and build a brand and make a vision statement, build a website, create a social media presence and make it look like something, right? I mean, that's how we roll here in America. And Jesus is saying, look, this is really something. In fact, this is the most important thing ever. And it's gonna look like nothing at the very beginning. The second thing that he's telling them is that the kingdom of God has permeating power, growth, and influence. It has permeating power, growth, and influence. The, the name of the message today is the patient, permeating kingdom of God. And he uses these word pictures to, to tell them, look, there's, there's something incredibly dynamic that's going to happen here, even though it looks like nothing at first. He talks about the yeast and 50 pounds of flour. Now, if you've ever carried like a 40-pound a sack of something or an 80-pound sack, I mean, that's, that is a lot of flour and more than a woman would typically ever bake unless she's baking for like hundreds of people. And he says about the 50 pounds, like all of it was leavened. This little bit of leaven is going to be introduced into the dough and it's literally going to spread the whole way through. It's going to influence. Just as the, just as the dough is going to rise, this kingdom is going to influence the whole world. It's going to permeate. It's going to have a changing effect. And just as the mustard seed is going to grow into the tree, right? Even though it's the smallest of seeds, and it looks like nothing at the beginning, it's going to grow. And some of these mustard trees would grow to be 20, and in extraordinary cases, 30 feet tall trees, massive trees. Just as the scattered seed grows, 
without the man understanding how. I don't know, I just put the seed out there. One day there's like little shoots come out and then it grows into a stalk and then it forms a head and then it's harvest time. And he's saying this, look, the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the gospel has life inside of it. You're not even gonna understand how it works. But when you sow it, just watch what happens. Permeating power, growth, and influence. In the the 1890s, there were uh, Shakespeare fans in, in New York City. And in Shakespeare's works, he refers to birds. And and they wanted every kind of bird that he refers to in his works present in the United States because they they were big fans of Shakespeare. And so they wanted the experience of the the birds and things that he was referring to. And so they released in uh, Central Park uh, 100 European starlings in the 1890s, okay? 100 starlings. And today... There are over 200 million starlings from Alaska to Mexico. And when the scientists have gone to to study them, they're all genetically related to the first 100 that were put into Central Park. That's insane. These birds have literally spread everywhere. And, and, And this is picture of permeating power, growth, and effect. But it didn't happen like this. Years and years. There's a a portion in Romans 15 where Paul says that there was no place left for him to work in those parts. And that's curious to me because um, I don't think Paul went to every hut and knocked on the door and be like, hey, I need to share this with you guys. You good? Okay, cool. Next hut, right? He doesn't go from village to village and hut to hut telling everyone. What Paul does is he goes into one, you know, kind of central place and he begins to share the gospel with whoever's there and people receive Christ and he forms a church and he stays there for a while to make some disciples. And he sets an elder in place and is like, see ya. And he understood this principle. When he says there's no place left to work, it means, look, the seed's been sown there, and no, not everyone knows yet, but just wait. Just wait. It's going to grow. There's this permeating power, growth, effect, influence when the kingdom seed is sown. And that's really good news for people like us. When the lostness of our family or our city, or our nation seems insurmountable. We can never forget when the kingdom is being sown, it's going to produce a result. This also means something personally. There's a a, a passage from 1 John 3, and this is one of those passages that if you were like, you know, when I was a young, like, I mean, just, I was, I was one of those people that was just, had a 180 degree change in my life. And like, I'm devouring the Bible and I'm, I'm a young Christian. And I read this verse, it says, everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He's not able to sin because he's been born of God. And you read that and you're like, well, am I a Christian? 
because I've sinned. Like, even after I became a Christian, like, am I still a Christian? Because everyone who's been born of God does not sin because his seed remains. So you get all like worried and like, am I, am I really a Christian? I, I don't know. Like, I still sin. I still have problems, right? And, but there's this, this verse before in verse, uh, 1 John 2, it says, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. I don't want you to, but if anyone does, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's talking about this practice of sinning. It would be like saying, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I confess everything. God, please forgive me. And then to go out and never, ever stop doing all the things you were doing before. He said, no, 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 no. This is not how it works. And he uses the word, the same word that Jesus uses for seed. And he says this, look, once this seed of the kingdom is sown inside of you, something begins to grow. And there are things that there's an immediate sanctification where Jesus declares over us, you are holy. And then there's a progressive sanctification over the course of our lives where we, we begin to live into what Jesus has already said about us. As we begin to be changed on the inside about our sins. Because the the kingdom inside of us is growing, permeating, influencing, changing us on the inside. And that's really good news. If you're like, am I stuck forever? No, because the kingdom of God is at work. Third thing, the kingdom of God produces results greater than anything else. This is clearly what Jesus is telling them, right? All the birds will nest in the branches then what looks like nothing now. There's a whole harvest of plants that's going to come, right? And right now it's just like a bunch of like little dust spread on the ground. But a whole harvest is coming it's going to produce incredible results. I mean, literally greater than anything else. This, this kingdom thing that looks like nothing in the beginning is really something, and it's going to be the biggest thing ever. And the results of the kingdom will be greater than anything else. And that's because the kingdom of God is not a side story in human history. It's not just something that Christians talk about on Sundays. It is the story of humanity that in the beginning, God made man in his image. And he, he redeems the fallen man through Jesus, who's going to teach about the kingdom again. He's going to sow the kingdom seed so that it's going to grow. And more and more people are going to believe. And at the end of the story, Jesus returns. And there's a new heavens and a new earth. And it is the kingdom of God. This is it. This is the story. This is the whole story. And there's nothing else worth giving your life to. There's nothing else worth giving everything that you have to than the kingdom of God. Because we have a king that never sleeps or slumbers. His word is living and active. His kingdom is here. It's at hand. 
and the genie doesn't go back into the bottle. Does that make sense? No one can undo what the kingdom of God is already doing in us and in the planet Earth right now. And by grace, through faith, in Jesus' death and resurrection, we have a hope that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion. And this hope is such good news. His kingdom is spreading, it's growing, and it's influencing us and people all around the globe right now with results that are greater than anything else. And here's how it works. Here's how you get the greatest results. It's not, Jeannie lost five million pounds in two days by using this one thing, right? No. The results come like this. Slowly, steadily, almost imperceptibly. And you might think nothing is happening. That's what Jesus is saying. So what does it mean for us? What does it mean? Well, Jesus' teaching on the kingdom warns us not to glamorize the big and the fast. There are things that grow fast, and I, I love fast-growing things, but one of those things is cancer. And fast things aren't always good things. And things that grow fast can die fast even faster, okay? In our Christian church culture in America, in the age of the mega, right, we, we can crave the big and the fast. I love to gather in, in gatherings with thousands of Christians and lift up Jesus. And I, I just, I love that. You know, I love that. But you don't just do that. It doesn't happen like that. Because even the things that seem big or fast are often the culmination of processes that were neither big nor fast. As a one unknown person, I don't know who said this, I've heard it, I've quoted it. It takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Have you heard that before? It takes 10 years. Whenever you see somebody like, you're like boom, celebrity, oh my gosh, I never heard of them before. It's like, no, no, they've been doing their thing for like a decade plus without you ever knowing about it. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we're being transformed into his image from glory to glory. It's just this process is going on. And you, you almost don't even know what's happening. So it warns us not to glamorize the big and the fast. We can, we can overly depend, okay? I'm all about breakthrough in Jesus' name. I want it. I, I want breakthrough. And I think we can, we can always pray, God, we need a breakthrough. And we can undervalue the slow and the small. Second thing is it reminds us to not despise the small and the slow. There's a passage from Zechariah chapter four, verse 10, the exiles have come back out of Babylonian captivity 
and they've come into a land that is totally decimated. Their temple has been completely torn down, and there are elders there that remember the glory of the previous temple, and they're gonna go back and begin to rebuild, and they're gonna lay a foundation, and when they lay the foundation, the, um, the, the kind of the, the young bucks are like, woo! And the old guys are like weeping because they remember how grand and how awesome the temple was. And they're like, I don't know if we'll ever be there again. And the prophet Zechariah says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't despise the small beginning for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And as people who like the big, the, the fast, right? We, we like the big splash, the fast results. We need to hear this because big changes in our lives and in the world or in the lives of those around us are the result of small things done faithfully and repeatedly. So don't underestimate forming that prayer habit. Or don't underestimate taking those negative, critical, or lustful thoughts captive to obey Jesus' habit. That scripture reading habit, the, the going to church gatherings habit, the lifestyle change habit, the repeatedly talking about Jesus with others that don't know Jesus habit. Because that's kingdom stuff that seems really small and almost insignificant, and you're just kind of like, uh, maybe not today. And I just want to say, don't despise it. Don't despise it. And lastly, I, I believe his teaching on the kingdom challenges us to embrace patience, perseverance, and perspective as we expect big, powerful changes. And please don't miss that. We're expecting big, powerful changes. And while we're expecting the big and powerful change, we're also embracing the slow, the, the step by step, the, the moment by moment, the day by day. I'm going to just choose to follow you today while I'm waiting for the big breakthrough. We, uh, we say around here that our mission is to glorify God and to, and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life and all the earth. And that's gonna happen with patience and perseverance and perspective. The seed is growing. The leaven is spreading, right? Keep showing up. Stay steadfast. When you read the, the, the letters that Paul writes to the churches, it's, it's kind of amazing that every letter is, has the same sort of tone. It's like, hey, um, you know, turn away from sin, pursue Jesus, stay alert, sober-minded, pray a lot, um, and the grace of God be with you. Like, grow in the grace of God. He was calling them to patient perseverance, faithfulness, steadfastness. And so I just want to say, 
Keep showing up. Keep doing the things that God's called you to do. Just, just keep at it. Don't, don't grow weary in doing good because in due season, at the right time, you will reap a harvest. You absolutely will. So, friends, God's work may, may appear small or insignificant at first, but it has a permeating power, growth, and effect. It, it produces greater results than anything else could ever produce. And so wherever you're frustrated, dealing with the same thing that you started out dealing with like years ago, right? When you're impatient, just remember, don't neglect the small and the slow. That relationship that keeps getting snagged on the same issue and it's like, uh, Small, slow, steadfast, show up over and over again. Let the kingdom of God do its great work. Um, we sing a song called Waymaker. You guys know the song Waymaker, right? We've sung it before. Um, and in the song, um, it says, you're here moving in our midst. I worship you. You're here touching every heart. I worship you. You're here turning lives around. I worship you. You're here healing every heart, right? You're, you're doing this great stuff. But then it gets to this bridge, and I just love the bridge because it's just like a, it's, it's the small and the slow. And it says, and even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, like when you're here touching hearts and mending lives and healing and I don't feel it, guess what I know? You're working, right? You're working. And I believe Jesus' teaching on the kingdom is calling people like us just to say, trust me, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. Just keep steadily following, pursuing me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.